hello, and welcome to episode 27 of Friends of the Show. I am Stephen W. Skinner, and this is a podcast where I get to know some of the funniest and nicest folks on Twitter. They're the friends of the show. This week's friend is Kevin at Pan Midwest on Twitter. Kevin is definitely one of the nicest people we've had on. Also, very funny. We discuss his luxurious mustache, and Kevin answers some weird and wonderful questions sent in by very cool listeners. Friends of the show, episode 27, with Kevin at Pan Midwest, right now. One doesn't realize in early life that the price of freedom is loneliness. To be happy is to be tied. That's from C.S. Lewis in The Collected Letters of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, classic guy for quotes. <laughs> Thank yes. you, Kevin, and welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Awesome. Well, I'm very happy to have you. And for the listeners, Kevin is a very funny and nice Twitter person. I burst onto the scene about a year ago and has been killing it. Just great stuff all the time. Very consistently great. Um, yeah, he has a regular tweet called Mustache Mondays. <laughs> very strong branding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll get into why the mustache is a key part of your brand. And uh, yeah, that's it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Kevin. What are you about? Where are you from? All right. So I've lived in a lot of different places, so it can kind of be hard to pin me down. But as many could probably guess, the bulk of my life has been spent in the Midwest. I lived – so I was, I was actually born in New Jersey. I lived there for four years. That plays a very insignificant role in my life. Not too many um, Jersey memories. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then from New Jersey, I moved to Kansas, and that was ages like four to eight. So those were kind of the formative childhood years. Like all my favorite sports teams are Kansas City teams because <laughs> okay. I was in Kansas at that time. And then at age eight, I moved to Indiana, and that's where I did like third grade through my senior year of high school. So that's probably the best place to say I'm from is Indiana. But then I moved to Ohio for college. Uh, I worked in Ohio for one year. After college, I lived overseas for one year after that, and then I've moved to St. Louis, where I've lived for just more than three years now in Missouri. Wow, that is a lot of spots. Where did you live overseas? I was in Podgorica, Montenegro. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Eastern European, Balkan area, yeah. Right. Very cool. It's a young country. Like I think 2006, it became a country separate from Serbia. So. Right, yeah, it used to be Serbia, Montenegro. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, so you would uh, identify with Indiana, he said? I, I guess. I, usually when people ask me where I'm from, I feel a little bit of conflict about what to say. Because like, the place I've lived most recently, the place I currently live, the place I live the longest are all different answers. Yeah, and so, tricky. I don't know. But uh, and my parents don't live in Indiana anymore. So when I go like home for like Christmas or Thanksgiving, I don't even go there. Uh, so it's it's complicated. 
So Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Stick with Kansas. Go Chiefs. Chiefs. Uh, Royals. Royals. I'm actually wearing a Kansas City Royals hat right now. Oh, so. those dastardly Royals. They got mm-hmm. our number, our Toronto Blue Jays in the playoffs. Ah, yes. Uh, I remember that. Quite the series, the fan interference call. <laughs> no comment. I don't know. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> exactly, Kevin. <laughs> well, I'll just leave it at that. We won't get into it. All right. So that's great. And now you're in St. Louis, but you're moving again. Yeah, that, yes, I will be moving to Seattle in January. Uh, so That'll mix things up a lot. I'll, I won't so, be in the Midwest. Yeah. Go, uh, go Seahawks then. I'll have to Maybe. be a Seahawks we'll fan. So th- that's that's where you're planning on uh, on settling down for a bit, uh, at least for a few years. Yeah, nice. Um, kind of open handed to how long. And I mean, I, if I moved out there for you know the rest of my life, I would be happy with that. But also, not saying that's for sure what's going to happen either. So. Uh, it doesn't sound like you ever get tied down to one place too long, so maybe that's just sort of your M.O. You can never fully settle down. You're like the littlest hobo, but of America. Maybe. At least in the past, though, it was my parents' decision-making. So only now am I starting to kind of be, like, actually in control of where I live. So, but, It is a very exciting power to have to choose where you want to go. Yeah, I guess so. Let's get into the story time. So you have, again, given uh, a few options of stories, and they all sound so good, I don't know which one to pick. So the first one that you have mentioned is called Hitchhiking in Zambia at Midnight, which sounds pretty cool. So maybe uh, tell us about that one. Sure, sure, yeah. After my sophomore year in college, I spent six weeks in Zambia during the summer. Um, and a little, uh, I was actually in the capital city of Lusaka and um, I was with a group of people who are all part of the same campus ministry that I was involved in, in college. And so, yeah, we were there for six weeks, but, you know, despite, you know, taking our medicine and getting like shots ahead of time, one of the members of our team still got malaria while we were there. And so he had to be, he was, he was sick for several days and, you know, each day we we're like, you should probably go to the hospital. Like you're, you're not getting any better. And he put it off like a week and then finally he went cause he felt so bad. So he went to the hospital um, which is probably really scary. Like he's another college student, you know, about my age. I was 20 at the time and he was probably near the same age. And, you know, it's scary to be taken to the hospital in a foreign country. I mean, you know, just because you don't know how the systems work and whatnot. And probably some um, language issues and definitely you're not potentially, feeling yeah, good. Medicine. Yeah, communication. You're like trying to yeah. tell them your symptoms. I'm sure, pretty right. sure they know what malaria looks like, though. Right, right. Um, so he went there, and we, uh, our, our group of people um, that were all of Americans that were all there, we didn't want him to ever have to be at the hospital alone. He was going to stay for a little while, and so um, we would take shifts, spending like I think usually three hours at a time with him, and then somebody would would go at midnight and stay for six hours, just spend the whole night at the hospital with him until six a.m., and another another team of people would, you know, a couple people would show up to swap out, and so um, me and my another friend on the trip decided that we would volunteer to take the midnight uh, shift. And so, you know, midnight came around and 
we didn't, we didn't have any transportation, so we just relied completely on like public transportation and walking. But at midnight, you know, like public transportation isn't really going anymore, at least where we were. And it, already in Zambia and Lusaka, the line between, you know, hailing down a taxi and hitchhiking is extremely blurry. So <laughs> I think that's why we felt like, like we kind of knew we were definitely hitchhiking if it was midnight. But the process was very similar to getting a taxi during the day. You just kind of walk out to the street. And when you think a car is a taxi, you, know, you just wave at them and see if they'll stop for you. And you know, during the day, it's like, who knows whether this is actually somebody who runs like a taxi car or just some civilian in a in their personal car who's giving you a ride for money. That is the original um, Uber. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, it, you know, we, that's why we probably weren't too worried about it. But it was, you know, I think suddenly in the middle of the night, like once we're in the car and driving around, we started to realize this was a like, I should not tell my mom that at midnight I went out and got in a random stranger's car in Zambia to get a ride somewhere. <laughs> Uh, but we did. So we got in the car and it was actually, I think like a, this guy had a really nice car. I think it was like a, like a Mercedes and he seemed to be like a pretty well off Zambian. And, mm. um, he was very like kind and willing to take us. And he's like, I'm not going to charge you money to take you to a hospital. So your friend, like that would be really rude. So he's driving us and we tell him, we tell him the name of the hospital. And I think he, he calls his friend to find out where that hospital is. Cause he doesn't know off the top of his head. And so he's talking on the phone and then he, you know, hangs up. He's like, okay, I know where it is. So he drives us and we get there and there's a security guard at the hospital and they won't let his car in because they're like closed, like for visitors. But I, we had been told that we have permission to show up late, that somebody should be expecting us. And so we talked to the security guard and she says, you know, to my friend who's with me, you can go in and talk to like the front desk. And if, if they tell me it's okay, I'll let you in, but your friend needs to stay here with the car and I'm not letting you in until I get verification. So, so she, he runs up in and um, is gone for a little bit, so it's just me and the security guard and the driver of the car waiting for me to to let him know if it's okay to leave. Or actually, he was waiting because whoever was currently at the hospital was going to get a ride back with him. Oh, boom! To, uh, where we were that's, staying. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So we're sitting there, it's just kind of like awkward and silent, and I'm just standing there. And, and the security guard, like after a couple minutes, just like looks at me and she's like, "Give me a biscuit." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> uh, in my head, I didn't say it out loud. I just like paused, <laughs> and I was like, "Excuse me, pardon?" She's like. Give me a biscuit. And I, I suddenly remember that cookies are referred to as biscuits. And, you know, like in England, then I guess the same thing in Zambia. I didn't really right. realize that. And I, in like the water bottle holder of my backpack, had a sleeve of the biscuits, cookies. And so I'm like, oh, these. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I like open them up. And I, you know, I'm like, you know, I might as well. I think we have the right to be here and let in, but, you know, it certainly can't hurt to give some biscuits to the security yeah, guard. Grease a little wheel a little bit with some yeah, biscuits. Exactly. So I give her some and, uh, you know, she eats some and we're sitting there waiting. And then my friend comes back out and he's like, yeah, we're at the wrong hospital. <laughs> so we're like, oh, okay. So we, we get back in the car and we tell the guy, this is not the hospital. Can you call that friend again or call another friend? And we repeat the name of the hospital and he does. And, uh, and then, he, you know, he, he eventually gets the gets the right hospital, takes us there, drops us off. And me and my friend get in there and our friends leave to go back to the house. And <laughs> me and my my friend had to spend the night in the only other bed. So it's like a, a hospital bed. And the two of us shared like a, a twin bed, but honestly, probably skinnier than a twin bed. We slept head to toe for the whole night, woke up in a lot of pain the next morning, but we made it. We supported our friend and he didn't have to spend the night alone in a hospital, even after a couple obstacles along the way. Yeah, this is one of those stories I just, it's ridiculous to kind of think about doing. There's not really like a great like climax or big ending, but it's just kind of like, I, you know, I should not tell my mom that I hitchhiked at midnight in Zambia. I hope she's not listening. <laughs>
Well, I think that's very lovely that you went and supported your friend. Uh, everyone came together. Shout out to that driver for a vet. You <laughs> yeah, know, sticking with it. He didn't just desert anyone. He made it to the destination eventually. So, yes, yeah, yes. That, that's very nice. And he didn't charge anybody? Nope. He uh, did it all for free. So Well, that's just very generous. That warms your heart hearing those great humanitarian tales such as that. Absolutely. All right. And I think we have time for some more stories. So what about sure, yeah. I never expected to be tear gassed? Yeah. That sounds like it um, might be more have some more adve- action and adventure in it. A little bit. So I, as I mentioned earlier, I lived for one year in Pocorita, Montenegro, and they're a young country. They're kind of getting their, you know, act together as a country, as a government. And, you know, during the year that we were living there, and I, this might still be the case, actually, they were kind of candidating to join the EU. And, you know, they have to meet certain requirements and, you know, kind of prove themselves. And one, one of the things that they have to prove as a country is that they have the ability and desire to protect human rights. And so one of the unfortunate fortunate things about Montenegro is that um, the gay community is very badly mistreated and, and yeah it's you know it's really sad I, don't, I won't go into all the details and I think things are changing but at least like there yeah this is the general consensus among the culture was very negative towards the gay community um, and so there was a, a gay pride parade while we were there and this is going to be one of those kind of moments where you know the parade certainly unprotected would just be you know destroyed by normal like everyday civilians throwing rocks or bullying the people and whatnot but since they had every right to march and you know declare their their message or as any group should um, the government had to prove that they could protect them while they did that and so you know they sent out a bunch of riot police and whatnot to protect the the way that the parade was going from a lot of people throwing rocks and whatever else at them but eventually like the the protest of the parade got so out of hand that they started having to use tear gas to to manage the crowds. And I, I, that day I was just at a cafe, like, um, at a different kind of part of the city. I, it probably would have taken me about 20 minutes to walk to where the parade was supposed to be happening. So I'm not like ridiculously far away, but I, you know, I, I was not near where the parade route was going. Right. Um, but the, you know, the tear gas had moved the crowd so far away and whatnot that eventually like I'm sitting at in this like city block with cafes lining, you know, the whole block. And, you know, I can kind of tell that like police and whatnot have, have moved into this portion of the city, but it's still like, I'm, I feel comfortable sitting outside this cafe. But the vibe uh, but is sudden, changing. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but then all of a sudden, like I see like down the block, like, like one by one, each cafe between me and the corner, people are like getting up and sprinting towards me. And I'm like, what is going on? And I, all of a sudden, I mean, there's, I could kind of tell that there was like cloudiness or gassiness in the air or something. I don't know. But it like suddenly was like the wind was blowing it like right along our block. And everybody at, the, at all the cafes outside was getting a big face full of tear gas, having not been involved at all in the in the parade or the protests. Uh, but it's just sweeping down the block and everybody who was outside with me was getting a big whiff of it and <laughs> running away teary eyed and red faced. And I, I thankfully was enough of a distance away from the corner that I could like get a heads up and kind of see that something was going to happen. Uh, I still did get like inhaled some, but it was not, it, it wasn't too bad. It didn't like incapacitate me or anything. I just, you know, went around the corner and then I, I eventually was able to walk back to my apartment with uh, the couple of friends who were with me and, you know, just go to the bathroom, kind of splash water in our face, wash it off. And we were, we were totally fine. We didn't, we didn't really get affected too much, but it was just a very unexpected um, Saturday 
Saturday afternoon in Podgorica, Montenegro. Wow. So, so just cleared your sinuses, didn't really uh, do too much. Right. Just yeah, like a yeah. spicy meal in your eyes. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, that sounds pretty uh, exciting and interesting. You know, you never know what's going to happen when you're living abroad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, that's pretty good. I hope that they get their act together sooner rather than later over there, you know? You know what I'm right. saying? I mean, I guess they were able to protect the parade. It's just, you know, they kind of wreaked havoc on the protesters. Um, so that, I think that proves it, though, that they're able to to protect a, a parade. But, you know, obviously the consensus of the country at the t- at the moment, or at least a few years ago, is... Not in the not in the best place. So, right. yeah, we'll see how it looks going forward. Yeah, well, a lot of places are sort of coming around slowly to that uh, to that idea. You know, we're yeah. moving out yeah. of the olden days into the new, and uh, we hope that they join us here in the twenty first century soon. Yep, you two states <laughs> for some <laughs> stuff, and that's not the last story. We do have a third. Looking <laughs> forward to it. It is Teresa. Teresa, yes. The past two years, I've lived in an apartment building in St. Louis with uh, I had one roommate there, and we had a neighbor. Her name was Teresa. She was in her, I think, mid to late fifties, and she lived alone in this apartment in our building. And I um, you know, we met her on our first day living there, and you know, we just see her around all the time. Um, but at some point you know, in our time living there, like we were, you know, friendly, we would say hi when we walked in, but we weren't really friends with her or anything. But uh, at some point, she like started um, kind of interacting with us more frequently, like even like coming up to our floor and knocking on our door to like ask us questions or ask for help with things and, and whatnot. And I was, you know, it was all fine. Just we neighborly like, stuff, right? Just Right. Yeah. We were happy to be, to be, you know, a good neighbor to her. But then eventually uh, she caught me one day when I was walking out of the building and kind of, you know, pulled me aside. I think maybe invited me into her apartment and, and told me that her and her her boyfriend had broken up, um, but that he was he still had a key to her apartment, and so he had been coming over uninvited, um, and that she was, you know, really scared and nervous and really wanted to cut all ties with him. But obviously, because he still had a key and wasn't willing to give it up, um, she was kind of powerless to guarantee that he stayed out of her her apartment. And so she was going to change the locks in her apartment, but it was kind of struggling to know how to do it. Um, so she asked me if I would help her. And, um, so I did. So she had already purchased like a new, you know, doorknob apparatus with a lock and whatnot. And so I, I installed that into her door for her and thought, you know, okay, good, good, great. Like happy to help problem solved. That was really practical. And you know, this, this woman living alone won't be bullied by her ex-boyfriend anymore. That's really good. You're pretty handy then, uh, Kevin handy with uh, a tool. You got the screwdriver I mean, out, you were drilling it in. That thing's not always easy. You have to line it up properly and everything, right? Right. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't too complicated. I mean, I did have to get like a, I think a, just a screwdriver was really all, all it took probably. Maybe one one other thing. I can't remember. It wasn't too complicated. I didn't have to drill any new holes. With Ten minutes in and out, boom. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so but, you're so anyway, a good number. Yeah. So like that's, that's taken care of, I think, until like <laughs> sometime later she stops me again. And she's like... Kevin, he's he's still getting into my apartment somehow. Uh, I think he ha- he knows how to pick a lock, and so I think when I'm gone, he comes in and he picks my lock and gets in. So that kind of put me in like a weird situation because I, I I was a little bit skeptical that that was happening. Uh, mainly, my main my main reasoning is that her apartment is the first um, apartment when you walk into the building, and so like anybody coming or going walks by there, so it's really 
hard place to do something like you shouldn't be doing, like picking a lock. Not to mention, like, the walls are, like, paper thin. You can hear everything happening in the vicinity. And so somebody sitting there trying to, like, you know, jimmy a lock open is – you're going to hear it, I think. But um, – So a bit of a red flag uh, immediately. A <laughs> bit of a red flag. But, like, on the off chance that she's right, like, I, you know, I obviously – I didn't want to have my immediate reaction be to disbelieve her or invalidate her, her fear and what she's telling me. So I was like, okay, like, so when I think what she had done, she started, she had bought a security camera that she was, she didn't exactly know how to use, but she had bought it so she could film to see if he was getting in or not. And I was like, that's great. That's super practical. And if he is getting in, we're going to find out. And then if he's not, I can, you know, I'll have the, the camera to, to, you know, point to and say, Hey, look, he's not actually getting in. Um, but so she, she struggled to, to install it so i tried to help her help her install it but it was just like it was like the cheapest camera you could get. it was i think really, really more like a webcam mm-hmm. kind of thing and sort of like uh, a super low-end nanny cam yeah and it needed to like film all the time and then like you know but then it runs out of memory really quickly and yeah and so it wasn't super practical um because he could come at any time but you like always needed to be watching so we we uh you know, we couldn't really prove anything definitively from that either way. And so my roommate actually started to kind of get involved at this point. And he, this is like incredibly generous of him. Um, he's like, he decided to just buy a really nice security camera. It was kind of like, you know, at the end of this ordeal or whatever, I'll just keep it and, you know, use it for my personal uses or for us, you know, for later on in life when I need to secure things. Um, but I'm just gonna buy a really good security camera. One that like connects to your Wi-Fi as soon as like, there's any movement in your apartment it starts recording and it uploads it to like you know a cloud storage sort of thing so even if someone were to like you know destroy the camera the video would be saved somewhere else and we can always look at what has been recorded by it and so we installed that for her and um it worked perfectly we would get it was really weird we would get emails like every day with like an update <laughs> yeah and it was a hundred percent of the updates were her opening her door to come in it was like Super weird that I get an email every time she comes home yeah. and then like a video footage <laughs> to prove it. That is a um, very odd thing. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, we did that for a while and like we never – there was never any footage of him coming in. But she like caught me one time walking out of the building again and, and brought me into her apartment to show me what he had done inside of her apartment. And she took me over to her kitchen and she pointed at the cereal boxes on the top of the refrigerator and said, look at that. Do you see that? And I'm like looking at it. I'm like, it's just, there's just cereal boxes up there. I don't, I don't know what you're pointing at. She's like, they're all in a straight line. And I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> and like, you think he did that? <laughs> like, I was just like, I don't, I don't know how that's evidence that he came in and did something. Teresa, uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> uh, who knows? But I mean, I guess like, obviously like if in her mind, they're like in complete disarray and she comes home in there and, you know, it was really, it was three cereal boxes that were just like aligned nicely. I get you know like if that if you know for sure that you didn't leave him like that I guess that would be concerning but it was just uh, it was a weird thing that she showed me that and so I was like well like there was nothing on the camera so I don't I don't know uh, what to tell you and, and uh, there's another and, time she <laughs> she pulled me aside when I was coming in and she's like I just got home like ten minutes ago and my my the door to my apartment was open I think he was here and just left and I was like oh like it was okay yeah well let's uh, Let's, Let's see check on, the tape on the camera. Let's check on the tape or whatever. And, uh, and my and my roommate had access to it, and so we went to go talk to him. And she comes up with me, and she's talking to him also. And and then when she's talking to him, she tells him she told me that her apartment was wide open, and I interpreted that as her door was open. 
But when she talked to him, she told him that her door was just unlocked. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's not what you told me. Changing your story, eh? Changing your story, change your story. And so, like, you know, things like this would kind of happen over and over again. Eventually, you know, she approaches one day pretty distraught. And I guess he had actually been doing some inappropriate things in the realm of like phone calls and texting and voicemails. And so she had like recordings of him on her on voicemail and text that he had sent that he she could use as evidence. Um, and so she asked us if we would go through the police department so she could file a restraining order. And we were like, yes, that's actually like extremely good idea because then this whole problem will be taken care of. Um, and so we go with her to the police department and she files a restraining order and the voicemails and texts that she have are actually like valid enough to get a restraining order. I was worried for a bit that they were going to require some evidence that he had broken into her apartment or whatnot, which we had no, nothing. We ain't got the that. tapes for that. But thankfully the text was enough that she, he was just at least like emotionally abusive through texts or whatever, threatening. And so that was enough to get a restraining order. Um, but it was interesting. She was like kind of talking to the police officer and she, she mentioned that he would pick the lock of her door to get in. <laughs> and he was like, I was really impressed actually. Cause she was, you know, she was distraught, but he, like, in a calm ma- manner, while validating her, like, concerns and pain and, like, the inappropriateness of the text and voicemail she had, explained that it's ridiculously difficult to pick a lock. <laughs> and especially, like, the way they make them now. And yeah. um, that most likely, like, and he, I think he phrased this, like, phrased this well, but, like, the fear she had from her, from his, like, threatening text messages and voicemails was maybe making her interpret um, like her forgetting to lock her door or, or forgetting how she had arranged her room <laughs> yeah, differently. Which, um, it was, I was really impressed with how well he was like tactful yet like not letting her believe things that probably weren't true. And so, you know, all that was successful. He got the restraining order. He told us like, if you ever see him, you can call police immediately and he'll be arrested. He's not allowed to be within so many feet of your property anymore. And um, so that was all good. And uh, we, we had a huge sigh of relief and didn't really have to, to wrestle with that anymore. Um, but then the, the kicker, like a month before I moved out of that apartment, um, she she pulled us aside in the parking lot when we were heading out one day. <laughs> and she let us know that her and her boyfriend had gotten back together and she lifted the restraining order. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Teresa, <laughs> what are you doing? It's a bad idea. And uh, so oh no. I haven't seen her since and I, I don't know if anything inappropriate has happened or whatnot, but that's the, the Teresa the Teresa stories and the Teresa stories. Well, thank you very much for sharing the trifecta of stories ranging all over the world <laughs> from Zambia to Montenegro to your apartment. So mm-hmm. very <laughs> globe trotting uh, life and interesting stories. So thank you very much for those. Yeah. Anytime. And now we get into the tweets. I don't know if we've mentioned your Twitter handle. It is at Pan Midwest. I think we did explain it was because you're a Midwest boy. Yes. Um, so Pan kind of being like all the Midwest. Yeah, Pan American. the Pan Midwest. Midwest. Uh, covering all the Midwest uh, territory. And so your tweets that you have uh, brought to us are three. And the first one is... Funnily enough, about Teresa. Oh, yes. <laughs> so the first tweet is like this. Teresa, nothing worse about a breakup than your ex's name autocompleting whenever you type a word that starts with Teresa's same letters. 
that one is great, and you kind of have to think about it. You kind of have to see it. It really helps. <laughs> but basically, autocorrect gets you again. Yep. It's really weird to hear that tweet immediately after my story about Teresa. But Teresa, it's no not a, way it's around. It's not about it. her. Her and I never dated and it's broke a, up. It's a separate Teresa. A fictional yeah. Teresa or a real one? It, it's a fictional Teresa. The concept came from a genuine uh, breakup experience where, you know, whenever I would begin to type a word um, that began with the same first letter as her name, it would auto auto suggest that I say her name. But sometimes if I, you know, was sloppy with my typing, just auto complete with her name, oh. which is a frustrating thing when you're trying not to think about an ex. So, yeah, that is a good point. Come on, autocomplete. Did you did you end up getting around it? You can like start typing a different word a lot where that starts with that letter and then it just uh, starts to suggest that that's, one. That's a good idea. I haven't thought about intentionally trying to trick autocorrect or autocomplete. Um, there was a while there where I, I think uh, I, I didn't I never noticed her name popping up, but actually just within like the past couple of weeks, at least like on two occasions, I've seen it in the suggestions. It hasn't actually popped into anything i was typing but i've seen it come into um into it again so i'm right, exactly it's like sure. eh? this one and you're like <laughs> no still no you know i haven't typed that in <laughs> years in 417 <laughs> days 11 hours <laughs> six minutes well i'm sad to hear that uh, about the breakup but uh, i know you're in a better place now yeah it was, it was in the past it was a while ago yeah and time heals all wounds from autocorrect. Yes. All right. Uh, maybe you want to hit us with a, a tweet read of the next tweet. All right. I don't exactly know which word you have them in, but I will just read this one. Walk into a cat cafe. Me. I've never eaten cat. What do you recommend, lady? They're for adopting, not eating. Me. Oh. Well, can I adopt one? Lady, no. <laughs> Classic cat cafe. Have you ever been to a cat cafe? I have never been to a cat cafe because I'm actually allergic to cats. Oh, no. Uh, Here we go. It's not, it's not deadly. I probably could survive <clears throat> spending some time in a cat cafe, but I just figure why. Just pop why a Claritin. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. But I've seen them start popping up. And uh, the first one I saw actually was when I was visiting Denver. I saw one when I was walking around, um, and then they actually built one that was like a five-minute walk away from my, my old apartment in St. Louis, and so I just think it's kind of an interesting concept, and it would be funny if Cat Cafe meant that the meals were cat-based, <laughs> not that there was just a bunch of cats walking around, so, so that's, that's kind of That's the genesis, yeah. <laughs> I also have never been to a Cat Cafe, but I know that, I believe there's one in Toronto, yeah, I have nothing to add here. Uh, would be fun. Would be fun to check out. Is it like this cafe has its own cats or you can bring your cat? Mm, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I know for sure that there are cats there. Uh, I've driven by. You can see them in the windows and whatnot. And I think they are. My understanding is that they're all like cats that have been like, you know, rescued in some sort. And people who visit can actually adopt those cats. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if you can bring your own or not. I, I don't see why not. But um, huh. I'm not the person to ask about cat culture. So. Well, if you run a cat cafe and you're listening, get back at us at FOTS Pod on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that tweet. And now the third and final tweet from Kevin at Pan Midwest. 
Do you have this tweet in front of you? Yes. Perhaps we shall each take a roll. Okay. Uh, you can be you. Okay. <laughs> and I will be Jesus. All right. Uh, so this takes place uh, in a game of ping pong. Three to two. My serve. Can I have the buck? The son of man came not to be served, but to serve. <sighs> Every time. <laughs> Cla- now this is classic Kevin, right? It's got all the things you love. Ping pong. Jesus. <laughs> People being frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A little bit of wordplay in there, kind of. Oh yeah, the wordplay is uh, a key part of this tweet. Uh, yeah, came to be came to serve, right? Exactly. So presumably, this uh, came with some of your your religious teachings. You you're very familiar with Jesus and how he might act when playing ping pong. <laughs> well, I mean, I, the, the funny part part of the what makes the joke funny to me is that this is ideally ideally not not how Jesus would act. But the uh, line "the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve" is uh, a line straight out of uh, the Gospels, and so uh, kind of funny to reimagine him saying the exact same thing, <laughs> but in a different context. Out of character for the guy, but the line is key, right? Quoting verbatim that line. Right. So people in the know, right, would be like, oh, that's the line. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Nice. Indeed. Well, that's great. I love it when you bring your uh, your faith into some of your tweets. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you do yeah, that. You do it well, you know, Kevin. You do it well. Oh, that's good to hear. I try to, and I never know. Is this going to have a really like small base of people who are who even get it in the first place, and even less who are entertained, or is it going to hit? So I was I was happy this one hit with with many people because yes. I, I personally enjoyed it. Sometimes so. with the niche references, like you're mentioning, uh, that's from one of the gospels. Not. Everyone might know that line, but they will enjoy some part of it, like <laughs> you getting frustrated with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, sending those tweets, and definitely everyone give him a follow. Very hilarious tweets all the time, and Mustache Mondays every Monday <laughs> at Pan Midwest on Twitter. And now we get into Kevin's picks from other hilarious tweeters. Picked, sifted from over hundreds of tweets online. He has chosen three. The first one by Butt Ghost. And the O is a zero. At Butt Ghost on Twitter. And the tweet is... At a club. Do you want to do a human sacrifice? What? Does stabbing and offering motion. A sacrifice! Do you want to do one? <laughs> it's uh, just a classic, super so weird butt ghost tweet. I love that it's, it's at the club, right? That's uh, yeah. It's a classic setting. This is great, too, because a lot of times t- tweets can be hard to read out loud and have the same punch as they do when you read them. But I feel like this is one of the ones that I really enjoy just having it read out loud right now because it, it really takes you like to the – to the setting where it happened, you know, supposedly. So 
This one would have been a good uh, vine or something if you <laughs> could have done it like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's like the perfect length of time. It would have been like six seconds. Rest in peace, vine. <laughs> Rest in peace, but, RP. Yeah. Twitter killed it. <laughs> okay. So yeah. thank you for selecting that one. Uh, everyone go follow Butt Ghost. But the O is Have you ever been in a situation like that where you're like in a loud place trying to get someone's attention? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Back in the old I mean, club days. Yeah, or like at a concert even. I feel like that's so relatable. You're just trying to like communicate with someone in a really loud place and you, they can't hear you. And so you think, well, maybe if I like invert the parts of the sentence, they'll hear me. Yeah, just repeat so exactly what you said. Different order, same loudness, and the stabbing and offering motion. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's like this, this you know, type of conversation happens to everyone over and over again that, you know, but ghost just put in the most ridiculous thing you could ask in such a situation. So yeah, it gets me every time. It's one of my favorites. Well, it gets me too, and a great pick from you. So the next tweet that you have selected, maybe you'd like to read it. It is by Chimney Spotter. Yeah. All right. You cause one minor incident at a museum, and everyone is irreplaceable Egyptian mummy. This and. Could have used regular toilet paper, that. <laughs> a classic mummy wrapped in toilet paper, or you can use mummy wrappings for toilet paper joke. Thank you, Chimney Spotter. <laughs> so, uh, I love Chim. He is one of my like favorite tweeters. I think he's incredibly underrated. I think maybe family life keeps him away from Twitter a little bit, but whenever he's on there, I feel like most of what he tweets is gold, especially this one. That is a very good one. And yes, high quality, consistent output from our old pal Chim, Chimney Spotter. Everyone give him a follow. So that one, that one was from October 2015. So almost two year anniversary wow. of that tweet. That was even before I was on Twitter with my current, you know, funny joke Twitter account, weird right. Twitter account, whatever you call we it. We didn't get into it, but... You've only, well, I guess I mentioned that you've only been on sort of about a year, I would say. How, how long uh, have you been? A year and a half. Oh, a year and a half uh, now. Actually, like in five days is exactly a year and a half. So. Well, happy year and a half anniversary on Twitter Thank as a you. joke guy. Thank you. So you had originally had like a personal account that you just used for yeah, surfing the web. A, right. I made a personal account like in college, like in 2009, 2010, something like that. And then... You know, I was on it. I was active sometimes, inactive sometimes. And then, yeah, a year and a half ago, I, I made a, another account to just start telling jokes from because I saw other people telling jokes from all sorts of, you know, crazy named accounts like uh, Stephen Skinner. That is yeah. the wildest name. I know. Now, you, I... you took the opposite approach and represent <laughs> yourself. Many others are just crazy, you know, personas, characters, whatnot. Yeah. Who are we talking? Upside down trash. Trojan yeah. sauce, Mike Big B. Wait, no, he's oh, one of the me yeah. kind. <laughs> but there's a lot of very funny, super weirdo handled names and right, cartoon right. AVIs and all of it. But we still love them. They all tell the funny jokes. So mm-hmm. as long as that's the case, you're more than welcome. All right. Well, thank you for selecting that second tweet. And now we have reached the final tweet that you have chosen. And it is from our good friend Frovo at yes. Fro underscore Vo on Twitter. 
Now, how should we do this one? <laughs> do you want to play a character, and I'll do the I'll read the directions. Uh, yeah, sure. <clears throat> okay, I I will be the first person. Ready? Hey, Cyclops, are you still dating Jean? No, Storm. We broke up. You could say she's my lower, lower sunglasses. sunglasses. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm lowering the sunglasses. Oh yeah, I beams obliterate Storm. <laughs> I think we we might have messed that up. I might have messed it up, but I think the sentiment gets across. <laughs> uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we didn't practice this. <laughs> Fro, you should have put actual character names in there so that we could I, uh, more clearly understand who's doing what. I realized that. afterwards that I was Storm doing a very deep Storm impression there. <laughs> that was my and take on Storm. That's just Both my take. the actions are Cyclops, uh, but there are two separate actions in the tweet, so it's a little confusing, too. Well, <laughs> sorry for butchering your tweet, Fro. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Kevin, for choosing it. Uh, he's great, and if you're not following him, what are you doing? Yeah. He also has a great call, King of the Calls, every Thursday, most Thursdays. It's Frovo, Froback Thursday. So send your tweets, and uh, everyone follow him. And even though we kind of messed up the reading, let's be honest, even if we had read it perfectly, we could not do justice to this tweet. Yeah, this is sort of one that has to be read. It's uh, the <laughs> high beams obliterate storm really hits uh, when you read it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great take on like kind of, you know, the format of puns to lower your sunglasses before you make the joke. And but in Cyclops's case that, you know, will obliterate storm. Just, yeah, classic. It's a great pull, great ref, and we thank you, Fro, for your hilarious tweets. So that's it. You picked all the good tweets. Thank you for that. And now we move on to the questions from Twitter. The first question comes from Kevin at Pan Midwest. Why do you have three pairs of glasses on, idiot? <laughs> That's a good question. Good question. Uh, so I'm, one of the pairs of glasses is my prescription lenses. I need to see clearly. The other pair of glasses is they're, they're eclipse sunglasses. Oh, I, that picture I, I was remember. Taken during the, the recent eclipse. Yeah. And so I, could, I wanted to be able to see the eclipse clearly but also not burn my eyes out. So I doubled up. Important. And then the third pair of glasses are – kind of cartoon sunglasses that Steven put on. It's a sticker. It's a Twitter sticker. So not as big sticker. of an idiot as you think, Kevin. <laughs> so thank you, Kevin, for that question. Uh, definitely the first person who has asked themselves uh, ironic oh, questions. Yes. <laughs> so thank yes. you for that. The next question comes from at Obscure Gent. The Lord James says, Why are you so young and why is your mustache so old? Hmm. That you know, that's a good question. I actually have never really thought about the age of my mustache because you know this current mustache that I have is like less than a year old. But uh, you know, I don't know how many years it brings into its you know existence. But from, in, like, in mustache life. in mustache years, that's like thirty six. <laughs> oh yeah, I and mean, that's definitely that's definitely older than me. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just it is what it is. Like I kind of haven't an old soul there's you know other aspects of my life that don't fit my age either and mustache just falls right in line 
All right. Yeah, I was uh, wondering about that too. It's definitely a choice, right? Stylistic lifestyle choice. But I think actually, I I just run out of time shaving every <laughs> single day. Just um, just the one part you forget every yeah. single day. Well, it's a luscious mustache. Um, everybody who's listening can go check out the uh, episode artwork, and I think uh, the mustache will be heavily featured. Um, it's a great stash. I don't know. I think it it uh, really lends an air of mystique and uh, <laughs> 80s-ness to you. Uh, yeah, so I like it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. So thank you, James, for your question. The next question comes to us from... Isabel at Isabel Zotton on Twitter. Everyone follow Isabel. She's great. And her question for Kevin is, do you have a secret hunch about how you will die? Hmm. I saw this question and I've thought about it a lot. And, you know, before she asked, I've, I never have had any sort of conscious hunch about how I will die. And I, I still, I still don't, I don't know. I'm not super you know, out of, into like, thinking about my death or whatever what? i think I, probably, I normally probably just imagine dying of you know old age oh that's a good uh, one yeah that's not everybody's you know life you know but uh that's at least i guess that's probably how everybody most people probably just think that that's what happens they get old and die i don't know every once in a while though i thought you know like what if like would i die uh kind of like self-sacrificially like to protect someone else or um it's weird but like i like often i'll wonder if i were like in you know a movie theater or um whatnot and there were an active shooter what would i do because these sorts of things have been happening all the time so you kind of at least for me i often will think what would i have done if i were in that situation um i don't know i would like to think i'd be self-sacrificial maybe make some sort of attempt to like uh incapacitate you know, the shooter, the attacker in some way, but I don't know. Yeah. But that's not, I don't, if you, you know, knew me in real life, saw me in real life, you would not pick me as the guy to do that, which probably means I'm not the guy who would do that. But I wonder if I would have the courage to try and stop something like that, even if it meant I ended up not surviving. I don't know. Well, I think it's incredibly unfortunate that that is a thing that you have to say that there's a very likely chance that you'll have to deal with in your lifetime. But uh, we're speaking in the direct aftermath of the Las Vegas shooting is the most uh, deadly mass shooting in U.S. history. It's probably like one of the worst things that's ever happened. Right, and, right. And that's sort of fresh in our minds. So I get where you're coming from. But uh, it's just yeah. it's sort of awful that this is sort of where we come to. Uh, and that's something that you would think about you know when you're dying but now it is in all of our uh, in our minds and i'm um, really sorry that that is the case so uh, yeah yeah it's just a very sad state of affairs these days kevin but that is a great hunch and i think you would definitely come to the rescue of people in aid it sounds like from your stories that you are a generous and loving person you went to the hospital and to be with your friend you know and all your stories are showing so i think that you definitely would be the hero in the story even if even if you didn't make it like legitimately the uh you know the foundation you know i mean people probably know the foundation of like the christian faith is faith as a man of self-sacrifice and so hopefully if i am being faithful to the you know the the faith that I, the religion I follow, I would be self-sacrificial. So I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. If you learn, if you take away one lesson <laughs> from that guy. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. Well, thank you very much to Isabel for that question. Really made Kevin think about it. 
Next question comes from Todd at the Todd Williams. And I think this is a crossover double podcast question. And the question is, are you as smart as hype? Of course, he's talking about the hype, a good friend of the yeah. show. Am I as smart as hype? So hype has not revealed his identity like at all on Twitter. And, you know, that actually might be a smarter decision than I made of uh, being somewhat open about what I look like, what my name is, where I live, things like that. But uh, I mean, it hasn't, I, you know, I've been really caused like no trouble yet, but you know, for that reason, I'm, I actually might hand it to hype. He actually might be smarter than me. And just because he's anonymous online, <laughs> that makes it, that makes him smarter. So I say it's a toss up. We'll never know until we do a definitive IQ test where you guys are in the same room, same day, IQ test, same test. Boom. Yeah. Uh, I think Todd is going to arrange for that to happen, but until it does, we may never know. I'm I'm open to it. I'm willing if if hype's willing. All right, <laughs> and I think you need to tune into Making Friends with Mark McGark to hear the other side of Todd's question. So do that. All right. Next question comes from Lama in a costume at Lama in a tux, and his question is very specific. As a Kevin. Which movie do you resent the most? Home Alone, Up, or the Minion movie? Yeah, this is a really good question. It's a great question. Um, Thank so you, all, Mama. all three of those movies kind of feature a Kevin, and especially the, the second two. Home, you know, Home Alone, Kevin's kind of the star and in some cases outsmarts the other characters. But in Up and in Minions, Kevin is often kind of an idiot. I don't know. Maybe Up's not. Maybe he's not an idiot necessarily, but a little bit. I don't know. Uh, and so I think I, I like Home Alone, so that one's out. It's, for me, it's between Minions and Up. And I don't know. It's, it's a toss-up. I, I could go either way. And of course, in Up, Kevin is a girl, which is a, a significant part of the, the plot. Maybe. I don't know if it's a plot point necessarily, but people remember that. Kevin's a girl? <laughs> and so I don't know. Like that, you know, Maybe that Kevin is mistakenly named. You know, it's just, That's just a name that the kid likes. That's not the bird's true name, I don't think. <laughs> So Minions, I guess. Is there it. we go. I knew you were leaning towards Minions, just waiting for you to eventually <laughs> circle around until you figured it out. It is the Minion movie. So there you go, Lama. Thank you very much for that question. Yeah, Kevin in Home Alone, he's mostly mostly pretty chill. Don't know why you'd yeah. res- resent that. He gets a whole cheese pizza all to himself. Right. So Minion movie is the answer. All right. The next question comes to us from... At Cyborg Hanky, and he asks, if you could grow a mustache anywhere else on your body, where would it be? <laughs> that is an interesting question. Another good question. A lot of good questions this week. Yeah. I'm not – so what's initially coming to my mind, there's a guy I know – I know of. I don't know him personally. I know of him. And he has a, a really nice mustache. And he, he – when people reference it, he'll be like, oh, this it's this isn't – a mustache. This is a gen- genetic mutation. I've I have three more on my back. Actually, my mom had one on her forehead. <laughs> and this, you know, he makes this joke like over and over again. It's funny the first time. I've heard it a few times now, so I'm over it. But I don't know. I think for some reason I'm just imagining having a mustache or two or three on my back. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I don't know. You're talking like lower prob- back. You're talking about on your shoulders. Mid back. Like right between the shoulder blades. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just tickling uh, the blades. 
Yeah. And so, you know, I guess like if I were ever to like shoot my elbows backwards, you know, that that would kind of flex the mustache or crunch it up. And, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, Very was, interesting it, answer, Kevin, on your back. Yeah. On my back, between the shoulder blades. Good question. Good question. I'm trying to think where would I could grow, where would I want that a mustache? I think uh, maybe on your feet would be kind of funny. Hmm. Like on, like on your toes, right above your toes. Yeah, like, like above heel. your toes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Might be a little ticklish. <laughs> so thank you for that question, Cyborg Hanky, <laughs> a real thinker. <laughs> uh, folks, write in with your answers. Where would you want a mustache on your body? Could be anywhere. The next question comes from friend of the show, Abby Cohen at Abby Cohen WL. And she asks her crazy great question, is envelope pronounced like envelope or envelope? Is fizzy drink called pop or soda and why? That's good. I, I really enjoy these sorts of questions. Uh, like, you know, hearing how different people pronounce the same word uh, is, is interesting. So the way I, I, pronounce, I pronounce it, envelope, uh, despite you pronouncing it envelope in your question, uh, that was a bit leading. To, yeah, I was trying to buy. There's no way to. Not. Yeah, there's no way to ask that question without. I know. Revealing your bias. So I'm gonna say, stay firm, not give in to your temptation. I'm, I, I say envelope. I say soda. I don't say pop. Hmm. I I don't know. Why. You don't know what the region regionality is. I mean, you've grown up in a lot of different places, right? Where, where was right. your heavy soda or pop phase? That so is, I think. Kansas is probably where I started, you know, to use that word, and they must have said soda there. But when I moved to Indiana, people for sure say pop in Indiana, and so I, I always felt I cringed a little bit when people say pop. To be honest, uh, you know, I don't exactly know why, other than that being the first way I referred to it as soda, uh, why that's my preference. But and I, I mean, I think soda pop is like probably like the official term i don't know the scientific term yeah there should be a third option uh soda pop for those <laughs> kids from the 50s or whatever Sody pop yeah but i still i just call it soda and uh, that, that feels like i don't so like with water i would call it soda water you know if it's carbonated or something right and so maybe i wouldn't call it pop water <laughs> well no so that's why Never mind. I just decided that that's why. There you go. That's right. You talked it out and you came to the conclusion that you had the right answer. So A lot of uh, external processing for me on this. Uh, <laughs> I like it. It's like uh, being on Millionaire, right? And the people <laughs> just talk it out. Just talk it out. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so thank you very much for your question, Abby. The answer was envelope and soda. <laughs> All right. So the next question comes from Guy Incognito at Shut up, that's who. And the question is, what do you think the first thing Jesus will do when he returns to Earth? Apart from playing ping pong, obviously. <laughs> hmm. Great reference to the aforementioned ping pong tweet. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think I actually did see this one, but I have not thought about it at all. And so I am on the go trying to come up with an answer. <laughs> Just talk the it first... out. Just talk it out. <laughs> The first thing Jesus will do when he returns, I think he's he's going to do something that people think is impossible. Uh, so like, you know, like he's going to do a 1080 on a skateboard and a half pipe. Has it, nobody's done that, right? Like the 900 uh, is the most people can do. 
Yeah, I want to say yes. <laughs> I would, I, love, I, I would I, love to confirm this uh, answer for you. I feel like in my lifetime, Tony Hawk land, was the first person to land a 900 <laughs> on a skateboard. Uh, I think snowboarders can do more, but skateboarding is oh, yeah, hard because yeah. it's... Snowboarding. Um, There's a video game, content. 1080 Snowboarding. So yeah. for sure, that's one. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So you think so he's think- going to just like rip <laughs> he's gonna just shred <laughs> and that's what's gonna impress everybody yeah it's, it's gonna be like yeah part of how he proves he is who he says he is you know like, <laughs> right hey, I'm jesus i came back nobody well, can do a 1080 watch this yeah he, he just shows up he's like i'm jesus they're like hands of a skateboard prove it <laughs> <laughs> yep and they're just like standing next to a swimming pool or something <laughs> he just drops in <laughs> i think that's a good start of a the jesus returns movie Jesus returns this summer. Okay, so there you go. Thank you for your question, uh, Guy. And the next question comes from Nick and Drumsticks at Beefman138. Now, his question is spoken in an accent, but I can't quite do it, I don't think. Can you do it? Oh, I'm terrible with accents. All right, so that's why I love them so much. Unfortunately, this will be read without an accent, but just try to imagine it in an accent. Okay, everyone, I have an Aussie accent. You're already turned on, aren't you, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> I have an Aussie accent. No, can't do it. You're already I'm... turned on. <laughs> just can't do it. I can't do it. That was pretty good. Yeah, I appreciate that effort, Stephen. Yeah, sorry, Nick, about that. But so, yeah, he just wanted to let you know. Yeah, I mean, I really do enjoy the Australian accent, and I, I like to joke around about how you could probably get away with anything having an Australian accent. So, um, mm, yeah, that's true. Those accents to uh, to us, plain old North American voices, uh, Australian English, they they got yeah. great fun accents. Very cool. South stuff. African, good accent. Yeah, South African. Yeah. There you go. So the answer is yes for sure. Thank mm-hmm. you, Nick. And the next question comes from legendary friend of the show, Mike Bigby, at Mike Bigby on Twitter. And his question is, Kevin, you are my hero, and I love you. What do you make of that? Also, which president are you, and why? Hmm. So well, what, well, first of all, what do you make of it? I the reason that Mike Bigby <clears throat> thinks I'm his hero and loves me is I think you know this has been people kind of know this by now. I think you probably know this, Stephen. But I I have a, another Twitter account called a Joke Explainer, mm. and Mike loved the account, absolutely loved it. He would message me often trying to find out who I was, and I told him a year after this interaction we're having right now, if I haven't told you know everybody, I'll tell you. And so that time has come over the past couple months and I told him that that's who I that I, it was me. And so he he loves me because of that. Oh, um, big fan of Joke Explainer. Yeah, yeah. it was a uh, yeah, it's an account that explains jokes uh, that everyone loves on Twitter. So <laughs> the, I don't was, know if everyone loves it. No, no, I mean <laughs> The tweets everyone loves? Yeah. Uh, okay. Explains. Yeah. Uh, so well, maybe tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly what made me pull the trigger on it, but, uh, you know, 
shortly after I had started doing a, a Twitter account with primarily jokes and funny tweets and whatnot, just from interacting with other other tweeters, it kind of we talk about how it's it, we kind of sh- roll our eyes and shrug when people will explain our jokes back to us, which mm-hmm. is you know a common among adders. They kind of will say tell you exactly why your joke is funny, which you know because you <laughs> told it. And so I, I decided that I, I wanted to create an account where I just that's all it did was reply to tweets and explain them. And I, I kind of started using like a sort of, I hoped to be like a, as neutral sounding a voice as possible. A lot of times what I'll do is I will Google parts of the tweet or I'll, I'll look them up on Wikipedia and I'll, I'll look at how they describe things. Right. And I'll try to try to explain it in sort of the voice Wikipedia uses, uh, very plain language. Phrasing uh, it in a fact, neutral voice, yeah. Descriptive, yeah. And so I just started doing that to accounts I like or to friends on Twitter or, you know, a recent viral tweet, things like that. And um, it started to catch on. People people who saw it would retweet me or sometimes the person whose tweet I explained would retweet me. And uh, the account's grown a little bit. And it's been kind of fun and encouraging because I, I get a kick out of it. It's In my mind, it's, you know, definitely parodying people who explain jokes on Twitter. Um, but, but every once in a while now, somebody will actually, like, inquire the meaning of a joke they like legitimately want to know what what makes this joke funny and so I do, uh, in some cases i'm actually providing a service yeah like so that's become like a service for some like oh i don't get it send it to the joke explainer uh what's tough is some jokes are hard to explain and only a tweet and others i i sometimes don't get them myself and sometimes they trouble. defy explanation kevin yes. so if you don't understand a tweet listeners Send it to a joke explainer at a joke explainer on Twitter. Right? Yes. And thank I you for. You, you were one of the ones I probably replied to a lot early on because yeah. <laughs> uh, word, wordplay lends itself to being explained. And it's already obvious why, like, why it's a joke, what makes sense about it. And so I get an extra kick out of explaining the obvious. Yeah, bunch of I got a bunch of joke explainers, and uh, yeah, I thought it was great because I had no idea. And then you explained that it was you. That was the main explanation. So thank you for yes. revealing your identity, oh secret joke explainer. The meta meta joke explained. <laughs> great. All right. Well, oh, uh, we didn't get to the president part. Which president? Oh, which president are you, and why? Oh man, I have no idea off the top of my head, which makes me nervous to like say one and then. <laughs> You know, people are like, "Hey, but that guy did this terrible thing." You haven't taken shoot, the yeah. you haven't taken the Bud Buzzfeed quiz about this, right? Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like people in general like Eisenhower. Okay, Great. I don't yeah. know. No, he's pretty he, good. He was he led he led the nation in a time of uh, or after a time of turmoil, I believe, coming out of World War II, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe. I wasn't alive then. I'm not a great student of history, so if I'm wrong about this and you want to point it out to me on Twitter, I will believe you. But I feel like maybe partisan politics were were least uh, important to America and to him as a president because we were united behind this thing that was bigger than us as a country, this you know terrible world war that um, so many awful things happened during that we needed you know to be engaged in and united in. I feel like maybe... Maybe Eisenhower kind of 
as a more of a uniting president. I think so. And I think the key issue sort of was the uh, advent of the nuclear bomb and the atomic age. So he sort of was the one who ushered in, like before Kennedy, uh, the idea of maybe we don't want to use these. (laughs) And maybe we should put things in place to sort of stop the stop that from happening because um i believe that there was a bunch of advisors who were advising him like there was a time when only the united states had the bomb and uh they knew russia was going to get it any day but during that time uh, the states could have preemptively attacked russia they would have been the number one forever but you know how would that have looked so eisenhower had to deal with all of that uh, and i think he did a mighty fine job because we're all still here Yes. Good. Okay. Great. I'm glad you can affirm my choice a little bit. I can back you up. Eisenhower was a pretty good president, uh, especially for the time. So thank you, Mike Bigby, for that question. Moving on to the next question comes from Shuggy at Shug underscore Knight on Twitter. Friend of the show, Allison. And her question is, of course, how many people has your mustache killed? Oh, man, I was already laughing just from hearing her <laughs> name because I knew she was going to ask me something ridiculous. Um, as far as I know, my mustache has not ended anyone's life. Now, I can't vouch for times when I was asleep. Who knows what it's up to on the sleep. Secondly, I can't, I can't say it's never killed someone figuratively, you know, like someone who's just extremely attracted to mustaches and kind of gets slayed by mine. That That may have happened. I don't. I don't know for sure. Right. I don't keep track of those things or look for them actively, but it seems like it could have happened. Mm, seems unlikely, but we can't we can't rule anything out. We don't have the security video footage to yes, prove it. Yes, that's what's missing. All right. Well, thank you, Shug, and everyone definitely check out her episode. Allison is great. And the next question comes from Brandon at BC Montgo. The question is, Kevin. Is it true that you're Ned Flanders incarnate? <laughs> you know, it's possible. It's definitely possible. I, I've probably watched like two Simpsons episodes in my life, which I know is probably shocking. Nope, that or... is exactly what <laughs> Flanders would say. So I think he's onto something. Okay, great. I saw, you know, one. I'm checking lots of boxes here. The mustache. Check. <laughs> Jesus. Check. Yes. Are you left-handed? I'm right-handed. Oh, man, that would have been a huge one. But but we got enough here to, to link the two. <laughs> so, um, this two probably makes sense. Like yeah, yeah. One where I decided that this is this is too inappropriate. I can't watch this. And then a second one, like maybe – I don't actually know Ned Flanders that well, but maybe like in a moment of weakness, gave in to temptation and watched another episode. <laughs> but he feels really guilty about it. Yeah. I don't know. All right. And Brandon follows up with these questions. What's your favorite beer style? What's your favorite brewery? What's your favorite beer? Oh, that's good. So I really like West Coast IPAs, which is an IPA, but often there's kind of a a piney taste to it. I think, you know, like Evergreens and the Pacific Northwest or along the West Coast and whatnot. And I I, I had a really, really good one in uh, Seattle two summers ago. It was just, they had it on draft at this pizza place I went to and I, I really liked it. I never could find it in stores and I'm actually starting to forget the name of it now. I want to call it maybe Sea Pine IPA. I think that was it. Uh, but I, I've never gotten it since I went to that pizza place that one time. I really liked it. In the meantime, I've had the, a West Coast IPA that's brewed in St. Louis. It's called Fantasyland. 
and it's by Urban Chestnut, which is a great brewery here. And I actually they call it a, they call it a Midwest IPA since it's brewed in the Midwest. Oh, a Midwest I see. I see IPA. why you like it. But um, it's it mimics the style of West Coast IPAs, and it's available locally, so I like that one a lot. Great. Well, thank you for your questions, Brandon. Now, moving on to the next question from Jillian Carger at Jillian Carger. And her two questions are, what is the best episode of The Office? And what is your backup best episode of The Office in case you were wrong the first time? <laughs> um, my favorite episode of The Office is a classic. It's an old one. It comes from season two. And it's, it's called The Injury. And it's the one where Michael steps on his George Foreman grill. And in the same episode, Dwight drives his car into a telephone pole and gets a concussion. And I I don't know why exactly, but that episode sticks out to me all the time. There's just a lot of really great lines in it from many of the characters. And yeah, like Michael's ridiculousness of like thinking he deserves a ton of sympathy for this stupid thing he did, setting up a grill in his bedroom and stepping on it. (laughs) And then Dwight, like with his concussion is super goofy, but sometimes that means he actually acts like a normal, healthy human being Yeah, and like relating well to people. And yeah, it's just a really, really great episode. Well, Jilly, I hope that was the correct answer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can come with a backup. So we're sticking with that. That's one and two. That is the number one answer. So the next question comes from Maddie at feeling euphoric on Twitter. Everyone got to go follow Maddie at feeling euphoric. Really funny and new on the scene. Tweeter, great stuff all the time. Highly recommend. And her question is, what's your favorite pizza topping? What if you had to put that pizza on top of a cheesecake? What is it now? (laughs) That's a ridiculous question. My go-to pizza toppings are pepperoni and banana peppers. Now, if I had to put that on top of a cheesecake, um, I I would not keep it the same, I don't think. I'd, I really wouldn't want a pizza. I would want a dessert pizza on top of a cheesecake. So like, okay, crust, yeah, yeah, and then like chocolate syrup or fudge all across the top, and then like powdered sugar on top of that is a, a dessert pizza I've had that I like. That's what I would want on top of a cheesecake. That is decadent, Kevin. That is decadent. Mm. All right, man. I could go for some right now. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Mads, for your question. And again. Highly recommend a good follow for at Feeling Euphoric on Twitter. And now that brings us to the final question. It is from Tom at Yucky Tom on Twitter. And his question, Kevin, is it true that you and John Gourley of Portugal, the man fame, go to the same barber? I literally have no idea what he looks like. I'm vaguely familiar with with the fact that a band called Portugal the Man exists. Is that what the band's called? Yeah, Portugal. Portugal the Man. The Man. Or just Portugal. Portugal like the Man. Portugal yeah. period, the Man period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm, I've, I've heard that that's a band that exists. I've never listened to a single song by them, and I have no idea what this guy looks like. And so most likely, unless he goes to Rich's Hair Salon in St. Louis, we don't go to the same barber. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures, and it must be because at some points he has a mustache. <laughs> I think that's the that is the link. Oh, I don't let a barber touch my mustache, so you do not. You handle all of the trimming yourself. Yeah, that might actually be unwise, but it's true. 
Well, I mean, you know, you're going to get to 10,000 hours sooner or later than you'll be a pro mustache groomer. Mm, true. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm going for. Heck yeah. All right. Well, I think we did it. I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Kevin, we made it. How do yes. you feel? <laughs> I feel good. That was... I felt a little bit like I was being interrogated more than interviewed at the end there. But uh, <laughs> the lo- yeah. a lot of questions were very assumption <laughs> assumption based. Yes, um, but we made it through. And thank you again to everybody who submitted a question. A lot of great questions this week. I uh, really appreciate it. And everyone follow FOTS Pod on Twitter and send a question for future guests because it really helps the show go around. Um, yes. I think that's it. Now, thank you to Kevin. And if there's any final shout outs or anything you'd like to plug any any last words you'd like to have you can you can say that Uh, now and i will play the theme all right well i'll do a yeah i guess quick shout out to you know my twitter friends uh, people in the lovely spoon especially it's a good group of people and Mm -hmm. uh you know i don't want i can't name everyone so you can't keep it to that spoon friends uh, twitter pals love them all right well thanks kevin and this is the end of the show All right, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me, and uh, everyone, please follow Kevin on Twitter at Pan Midwest. And that is the end of the show. All right, see you, Steven. Oh, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Kevin. See, I told you he was nice. So nice. If you thought he was nice, be sure to let us know at FOTSPod on Twitter. And also, please ask a question for a future guest. Follow at SkinnerSteven if you dare. Visit StevenWSkinner.com for all the old episodes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast provider and get a new episode every Monday. Thank you to RubyCoast for the music. And thank you very much for supporting the show and listening all the way to the end. Have a great one.